What's good, everyone? Welcome to Note to Scene, a weekly podcast that discusses all the latest news in the scene and a retrospective deep dive on all the nostalgia we all grew up with. This week, we got news from Black Veil Brides, Under Oath, A Day to Remember, All Time Low, and a deep dive on Neck Deep. So let's get started. Black Veil Brides have re-released a fully re-recorded version of their debut album we stitch these wounds they called it restitch these wounds and dropped it on sumerian the songs aren't really changed at all the production just kind of sounds better it sounds bigger more put together to go back to the beginning of bvb i absolutely believe that if it wasn't for their look the image 10 years ago they would have never gotten the momentum they did these songs were just not great and the production quality was absolutely terrible when they originally dropped it on standby records but the knives and pens video went viral on youtube thanks to the algorithm recommendation bar it was just always fucking there no matter what emo scene music video you were you were watching that knives and pen video was always fucking there i can see the thumbnail it's of andy's in the white shirt he's really close with the mic up next to his mouth Listen, if you were a Black Veil Brides fan back in the day, there is some nostalgia here. But if you weren't, you definitely don't need to listen to this album. I was a fan of major label Black Veil Brides. In the end, is a fucking banger, and they were honestly nearing actual breakout momentum at that point when that song was catching on. It was close to charting on the Hot 100, and it's the only single they have that has ever reached a gold certification. But they never followed that song up, and the bottom just completely fell out from underneath them. The BBB hype train has been pretty much stalled since about 2017, if not a little bit before that, and it ain't going anywhere near where they peaked ever again. So, moving on. Underos original demo of Reinventing Your Exit with Dallas Taylor surfaced this week. Holy shit. So, first off, this is the holy grail for Under Oath stands. I could do an entire episode on just the band's transition between Dallas and Spencer. Like, the amount of drama that went on between this, inside of this band between 2003 and 2004 is just absolutely ridiculous. But to break it down quickly, Dallas claimed in the past that he and the band had a follow-up to the changing of times written a few demos were actually recorded and even artwork for the album was finished a few years ago on a podcast aaron gillespie denied that there was ever anything in the works called dear misery so believe who you want to believe on that but live videos of early unreleased under oath songs with taylor do exist and they have for years heatherwood which is what this demo is called was the original name for the track now known as reinventing your exit they later changed heatherwood to look past the bright lights which makes sense once you hear the chorus of this song that's the hook and then they decided on the final title as we know it today with spencer on vocals but another song that has been tossed around for years was the original version of down set go which was called corn's defeat so for this heatherwood demo i've seen a lot of people responding saying it sounds like garbage so glad they went with spencer blah 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 listen this was a demo a scratch track at best like listen to the changing of times you think they were gonna go from that production quality to releasing an entire album that sounded like this 
Now, with that being said, holy shit, I've literally been looking for this song for 15 years, and I was starting to just think it didn't exist. Like, there's no way they hadn't surfaced at this point. Under Oath has been my favorite band since I was in sixth grade. I was fortunate enough to break their reunion story when I was at Alternative Press. I did about six months of legwork on it, going to shows, talking with people who were close to the band. There were whispers in early 2015 of a comeback, and I just started digging. And I remember hitting their manager, Randy, once I had as much info as I thought I needed for a pitch, just as like a courtesy call, like, hey, dude, this is this is what I know is going on. I'd love to break the story on alternative press. I'd love to work with you and the band on it. And he hit back with like, let's hop on a call. It sounds like you know more than I do. That was like a dream come true for me. And unfortunately, some of the members of the band and I have not exactly seen eye to eye over the years. And I've had some tough discussions with one of the members in particular, but under Oath, any, any Under Oath fan knows that the band holds their art in very high regard. If they had it their way, they'd probably delete everything before Define the Great Line. They've said it for years that they don't like their only chasing safety. They said it literally while they were recording Define the Great Line in, this, in the deluxe edition DVD. And when they went in for Lost in the Sound of Separation, they said it was their first time going into the studio actually liking the album they had previously put out. So there's a lot of inner opinions in the band on their early material based on who you talk to but damn it it's just so fucking cool that this song exists dallas taylor has literally never gotten the credit he deserves in the scene he formed under oath in 1997 imagine if under oath never exists do you know how many bands wouldn't exist if under oath never had their influence on our world cannot be understated in the slightest from they're only chasing safety to define the great line they covered so much ground in just those two albums alone Anyway, I'll do a three-part Under Oath deep dive whenever they decide to put out another record, maybe next, sometime next year in, in 2021, but one episode for the Dallas era, one for the Spencer era, and one for the Reunion era. There's just so much history to unpack with that band. Check this song out just for its historical value. I mean, this band is so important for our world. It doesn't sound great, but the quality isn't the point. It's just the first skeleton we have of reinventing your exit, and that's just cool as hell. Okay, moving on. A Day to Remember's bassist, Joshua Woodard, released a statement addressing allegations of sexual assault against him. So earlier this year, a woman came forward with a statement alleging that when she was 16, he had sex with her while she was drunk backstage at one of A Day to Remember's shows. Josh released a statement saying, quote, I'd like to address the allegations against me that have circulated around the internet in recent weeks. First, let me be clear that the events described never happened and these allegations are false. Up until now, I have remained silent because I do not feel it is appropriate to handle or debate this situation on social media. Addressing this is my personal responsibility, and I have chosen to defend myself through the proper legal channels. Aside from releasing this statement, I will continue dealing with this matter privately in order to protect myself and my family. 
I never comment or unpack news when it comes to allegations. I'm just a messenger in these cases, but I do want to note that I dug up an expired link on Is Anyone Up, which doesn't exist anymore, through the Wayback Machine that alleges an instance of sexual assault against Josh from 2011. Just so people are aware that these allegations existed long before, you know, the last couple months, let alone the Me Too era, kind of similar to the allegations against Austin Carlisle. Okay, moving on to this week's radio rundown. I am not even going to lead with rock radio this week because we officially have all-time low's first ever top 10 alt-radio song. Monsters featuring Black Bear has officially broken the top 10, and that has just been the coolest story of 2020 to document, and I cannot even believe that I am saying that. If At the beginning of the year when we brought back Note to Scene, I never, this never would have crossed my mind that we would be talking about a one of the biggest successes of all time Lowe's career, but it has just been so cool to see. And it's such a bummer that the pandemic's going on right now, because I was talking with Johnny Minardi who has worked with the band over the years in some, in some capacity or another. And he hit me. He's like, have you been watching it climb up the charts? And I've been like, yeah, documenting it every week on the show. And he was telling me, you know, this was going to be such a massive year for the band if it wasn't for the pandemic. I mean, they they would have had so many opportunities because of this song and the momentum that it's built. I just hope it keeps going at this point. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that they can't really capitalize on too much of it, doing the legwork that you could get with a top 10 alt radio song, but hopefully it just keeps climbing. Like right now, it has it's sitting at number 10. It was at number 10 at this point last week. It is up 4.5% in plays from where it was last Sunday, and the song in f- directly in front of it at number nine, Pofu, Coffee for Your Head, a TikTok hit, is actually down 15.2% in plays and is kind of plummeting off the track. It's beginning its fall off of the alt-radio chart, so I think for sure it'll pass that next week and kind of inch its way through the top 10, but we'll see how far it gets up. I would absolutely, I'm rooting for this song so hard. 21 Pilots' level of concern, still at number one. I think it's been at number one on alt-radio for like two whole months now, maybe even longer, but it's going to be really interesting, and I I just, I hope this song keeps climbing because it is seriously so, so cool to see all-time low have this moment this late in their career i'm i'm rooting for them all the way and i did not think i was going to be okay moving over to rock radio asking alexandria anti-socialist has begun its plummet off the chart the highest it got was number three it's currently sitting at number seven it dropped four spots from this from last week to this week it's down 13.6 percent in plays it is going to plummet. This is uh, not a good sign for that song. It's definitely the end of that cycle. But again, that was the highest rock radio single they ever had. So asking Alexandria 2020, their biggest rock radio moment came during the pandemic, all time low, biggest alternative radio moment came during the pandemic. It is awesome to see this. I was really rooting for that song. I don't even like it that much. I really enjoy Monsters on a much higher level than I do Anti-Socialist, but I was hoping that it could stick it out a few more weeks because Five Finger Death Punch has begun to fall now and Pretty Reckless is at number one. So it was looking like if it could have stayed, it could have got to number two. But 
that's it is what it is for that song that's just the cycle of radio so moving down motionless and white another life has dropped from 13 last week to 18 this week it's down 19.4 percent in plays it's looking like that song has finally run its course and it was it was getting hard to root for this song because it was just it could not break the top 12 let alone the top 10 i mean it was just it hit a wall and it couldn't get any further. So expect that one to drop pretty far next week too. Bring Me the Horizon, Parasite Eve, up from 26 to number 24. It's also up 10% in plays. I mean, listen, at this point, if Bring Me the Horizon is going to release a rock song, there's no reason it shouldn't shoot to the top of the radio charts. They shouldn't have to scratch and claw their way up like they're doing with this song. I it this. It's just disappointing. If you want to hear my thoughts on Bring Me the Horizon, go listen to the episode from last week, or two weeks ago. I Prevail, Every Time You Leave. Was that 25 last week, 25 this week? I mean, this band has just become a bit of a top 10 rock radio mainstay. I really do expect it to keep climbing. It's uh, I'm not sure why it didn't gain any spots this week. It's up 9.7% in plays, but look for that one to definitely break the top 10. I will be surprised if it doesn't. Fame on Fire, Headspace, was 35 last week, 34 this week, up 2.7% in plays. I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more momentum at this point out of this song. I've been talking about it for over a little over a month now, and I was hoping to see it kind of break the top 25 at this point. It's not looking like it's going to even break the top 30, but we'll see. I hope it's a slow burner because for some reason, I'm rooting for them. They're basically an emo I prevail, which is like a butt rock Three Days Grace 1X, but 2020 emo. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack about that band. We'll see where it goes. Bad Omens, Limits, was at 37 last week, 36 this week, up 3.9% in plays. Cool to see a Sumerian band getting some rock radio play. If you are one of the, you know, people that heard it in those 161 times, cool. And that does it for scene bands on rock radio. So that is the rock radio rundown for this week and all-time low number 10 on alternative radio. Hoping we can report a another jump next week on the episode because that is, again, so cool to see. So moving on to our deep dive this week. Neck Deep released their new album, All Distortions Are Intentional, last Friday. I wanted to take this episode to unpack the band's history give a status update on where they are currently and just where they sit at in a commercial sense so neck deep started in 2012 and i was actually at ground zero for this band i was a junior in high school and i decided i wanted to start a blog to write about music because all the shitty bands i played in just burned out because we suck so bad but so I first found them from a We Are Triumphant digital sampler that they put out, which also had the original version of Sworn In's Let Down, which is just 2013 was crazy. Maybe this was even 2012. I think it was 2012. But so yes, Neck Deep was on that shitty fucking Facebook label, We Are Triumphant. Their song, I Couldn't Wait to Leave Six Months Ago was on it, and I was just instantly hooked. I reviewed the Rain in July EP for my shitty little blog, and I remember sending it to the band, and they actually posted it on their Facebook page, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. I remember their post got 10 likes on it, but 
that EP really put them on people's maps. It was around that same time Real Friends and Knuckle Puck were gaining tons of momentums too, as completely independent bands. They, I mean, Neck Deep was on We Are Triumphant. I do not consider that a label. They were absolutely still an indie band at this point. But the modern era of pop punk was just starting to snowball and really make its charge towards, you know, a, a commercial level, a notable one. So after Rain in July, they released a three-song EP called A History of Bad Decisions. It didn't get as big of a reception as Rain in July, but it showed a little bit of growth. And Tables Turn, great song, still a banger. That opening riff just feels like summer. Anyways, after they signed to Hopeless in August of 2013, they released their first full length with Wishful Thinking in January of 2014. The album wasn't great, it wasn't outstanding, but it did its job of continuing to build momentum for the band. Their songwriting was growing, you could tell, especially from the EPs, the production value was up. There were still signs that they could become something much bigger down the line. Crushing Grief was my favorite song from the album when it dropped, and it probably still is. It just felt like a lot of the record blended together, and they still really only had a couple tricks in their bag. The record didn't even break the top 200 over here. That's how small the album was out of the gates. But two years of touring later and letting the hype machine bubble, they delivered the best, and I absolutely stand by this, the best modern pop punk album as their second full length, Life's Not Out To Get You. The lead single was Can't Kick Up The Roots and honestly, still in my top five favorite Neck Deep songs, if not top three. And it just felt like the band had grown so much. Like what a nostalgic summer banger, just in that song alone. It still felt like Neck Deep, but after they had taken some songwriting classes and tossed in some rock riffs and wrote just a fucking killer hook. I remember Matt and I premiered Threat Level Midnight at AP and it was the second biggest premiere traffic wise that we ever did over there. You could feel the hype because they were delivering on the music. That album is completely full of bangers front to back. The rock radio opening of Citizens of Earth to the emo burner Serpents to the acoustic fan favorite December. It seriously has it all. The album did about 6,500 in the US first week, but it was massive in the UK and they carried that momentum over there, pedal to the metal. This album changed everything, and I mean everything for this band and really separated them from the rest of the modern pop punk movement. They spent that whole 2015 summer on Warp Tour and just grew like absolutely no other, jumping from support stages to the main stages. I remember watching them on a support stage that summer in Chicago, and they literally log jammed that entire area. All the merch booths had people climbing on tables to watch. You couldn't see the end of their crowd line. It rem I mean, looking back, it reminds me of how Noctilus's crowds looked like in 2017. Then we move on to the Peace and the Panic in 2017, and the hype for this album was just through the fucking roof. I remember documenting it all on this show. That was the year that we started Note to Scene. They put two singles out at the beginning of summer, and I believe the one was Happy Judgment Day. I know one was Where Do We Go When We Go, and I think the other one was Happy Judgment Day. I could be wrong on that, but I do remember they weren't Life's Not Out to Get You Good, but they were good enough, and that was the... That was what I had reached going 
through them on the show and reviewing them. But the most genius thing they did that whole cycle was announce the album before Warp Tour and have pre-orders available every single fucking date that summer at their merch tent. When you have hype from a past release and people are on the edge of their seats for new music from you, you have to capitalize that on that and you have to know how to capitalize on that. And Neck Deep did just that. They ended up doing 30,000 copies in the US, give or take, first week for this album. And honestly, the album wasn't great. My personal favorite moment on it was the breakdown with Sam from Architects on Don't Wait. But other than that, in, other than In Bloom, people don't pull back from this album. And that's why, regardless of pandemic, they were going to drop first week on this new album. All distortions are intentional. If you don't deliver on the music, you will lose momentum. Literally every band peaks and comes down. It doesn't matter who you are. We witnessed it with All Time Low and their trajectory, probably not the best example because they literally had two peaks. The second one was even bigger than the first one that no one expected. They blew two major label shots and now they're somehow on the rise up again for the third time. But every single band peaks at one point and they all come down. It happens to everyone. You can't stay on top forever. So now we're on to this new album. This record has grown on me a ton. Even the singles that I've talked about previously on the show. I don't like the amount of effects that are on Ben's voice throughout the whole record, but he's trying to sing here. And when someone who can't actually sing tries to sing, you gotta doctor it up somehow. Sonderland is a solid opener. It kind of feels like a bit of a life's not out to get you throwback. Fall has grown on me a lot. The hook gets stuck in my head a ton. When You Know Still Kicks, it's just a solid pop-punk love song. Sick Joke is a great mid-album emo banger. What Took You So Long is the highlight of the album for me. Just a super laid-back, vulnerable pop-punk burner. Solid tempo. Ben doesn't try to do too much. He serves the song perfectly. I love it. Empty House is solid. It could be better, but it gets the job done. And altogether, this is a much, much, much better album than The Peace and the Panic. It's still neck deep, but with another good dose of growth. Like, this isn't just another pop punk album. They tried new things on it. Sometimes they missed, sometimes they hit. I'm at a 7 out of 10 on the album. Now, sales-wise, obviously the pandemic is going to kick it lower than it would have been without it. I'm recording this Sunday night, and I won't get the numbers until tomorrow, but according to the top 50 chart right now, they're not on it, and the last artist on it moved 12,400 units. So it's looking like they're going to do, at most, 12,000. We'll see. It's a shame. Even though they would have definitely dropped from 30,000, it would have been cool to still have a 20,000 first week discussion about Neck Deep in 2020. Oh, although that's just the story of 2020. I mean, it's it's the year that could have been. So that is it for the deep dive this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any requests for deep dives, email me at notetoseen at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Note to Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please drop a review on iTunes. I'd very much appreciate it. Until next week, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.